and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. What did you hear from the readings? Anything you heard, beginning with the Master service here. Speak and everyone will hear. Jesus loves children. Okay, this row. God created He took the rib of a man and molded a woman for a man. In the beginning, God brought a lot of animals. Man rejected. But when he molded woman, man exclaimed. Man was happy man was happy when he saw woman so women bring happiness to men okay what God has put together no one should divide those of us at the back there yes whatever we heard from the regions No speak English? Okay, okay, no problem. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, today God is reminding us about how much he cares for each one of us. In Isaiah 46 verse 4, the Lord God says, I am your God and I will take care of you until you are old and your hair is gray. I made you and I will care for you. I will give you help and rescue you. Beloved in Christ, this is the message God wants every human being to have or to know. God wants every human being to know this. There are many people out there who are confused due to circumstances they find themselves in and they feel rejected even by God. They feel so. They feel that God doesn't care about them. God doesn't love them. But friends, God is reminding us today that he cares about us, each one of us. You mean a lot to God. You mean a lot to God. I mean a lot to God. And we see that clearly in all the readings of today. In the first reading, Adam was there. God created Adam. Adam never asked for a wife. But God saw the need for him. And so God took the initiative. That is what it means to care for somebody. When you care for somebody, you are proactive. You think for the person, so to speak. You don't wait for the person to even ask you. Once you see a, a need in that person's life, you try to work towards it. That is care. And because God cares so much about us, he demonstrated that in Adam. And so he provided a wife for Adam. I don't know what you think about God as you are seated here. Whether you feel rejected, you feel unloved, or you feel uncared for. But God is reminding each one of us this morning that he cares about us. He cares for you. 
And just as he's surprised, he will call it a surprise because Adam never asked for a wife and God provided for him. God will surprise you in his own way and in his own time. God cares about you. Have this at the back of your mind. Anything to the contrary is a deception from the enemy. The enemy that is Satan wants us to be miserable and sad, but God wants us to be happy and joyful. And so when you saw that Adam was, let's say, lonely, God said, no, I will make for you, I will provide for you a solution to that, and gave Adam a wife. If you go to the second reading, even before the second reading in the responsorial psalm, God demonstrates his care for husband and wife, or for the family. So in the first reading, we can say God demonstrates his love for a single person, the single people, those who are not yet married, and yet to descend your vocations. God cares about you. Adam was single, God cared for him. Whichever vocation you want to choose, whether the married life or the religious life or just the single life, have it at the back of, the, of, of your mind that God, God is thinking about you and he has made provisions for you in whichever way. He will intervene in your life. In the second reading, God shows us, demonstrates his care for all of us in the family. The responsible psalm, the responsible psalm talks about what? May the Lord bless us all the days of our life. And he goes on to say, Oh, blessed are those who fear the Lord and walk in his ways. By the labor of your hands you shall eat. You will be happy and prosper. And now it says, Your wife will be like a fruitful vine. So we can say that God is showing his love for the husband in this case, so to speak. But that's the married, the, the married life, the family. God is demonstrating his care for the family in the responsible son. But he specifically makes known, the husband says, your wife and your children, your wife will be like a fruitful vine in the heart of your house. And then your children like shoots of the olive. But we know children are owned by both parents. So God is talking about his care for the family in the responsorial son. If you go on to the, the, the second reading, God is demonstrating his love for all of us, so to speak. First of all, we are told that by God's grace, Jesus had to experience death for all mankind. Because God cared for all mankind, that's all of us, Jesus had to die for us. Think about that. Jesus gave up his life because of his care for you and I. So God demonstrates his love and his care for all of us in that Jesus died for us. And in fact, it's interesting to note that he died for us whilst we were still sinners. Now that we are in him, Romans 8 verse 31 and 32, what would God do for us? Friends, the, the problem is that we don't always take our time to remind ourselves consciously. And these are, the word of God is something we must consciously remind ourselves about. These are truths. Whatever situation we find ourselves in, that seems to be contradicting the truth of the word of God, that can be the reality. They are facts, yes. The fact of the matter right now is that you have no wife, you are not yet married. The fact of the matter right now, the fact is that maybe you, are, you have no job, you are hungry or whatever, that is a fact. But the truth in God's word is that God says he will take care of you. That is the truth. And the truth of God's word overrides every fact. So don't let your fact, your present situation intimidate you or deceive you. 
God cares about you. And we all need to remind ourselves every day about this truth. The truth of God's word. God cares about me. Irrespective of what I'm going through now. God cares. And he knows. He sees what you and I are going through. So let us have that at the back of our minds. And if you come to the gospel, Jesus is defending the family. He's showing his love, his care for the family by protecting and defending marriage. And that is a confirmation of the church's teaching on the indissolubility of marriage. Once a marriage is validly contracted in the church, there is nothing like divorce. Why? In Malachi, God says, I hate divorce. Why? God is so concerned about marriage and family for that matter. He doesn't want them, I mean the, the spouses, to separate. And it's interesting, the Pharisees approach Jesus and ask, is it against the law for a man to divorce his wife? Why not for a woman to divorce his husband or her husband? It's interesting. Why would you be thinking of divorce if you are enjoying your marriage? It suggests that they were not enjoying their marriages. If you enjoy your marriage, you won't think of divorce. And they wanted a cheap way, an easy way out. How can I divorce my wife? Why should you even think of divorce? If you, are, if you have a good marriage, and in fact that is the intention of God. God wants every marriage to be a good one. God wants every married couple to enjoy their marriage. So divorce, we all know the consequences of divorce, the effects. God doesn't want any spouse or any family or any marriage to, to, to experience that. The pain in divorce, God doesn't want it. So whatever will cause divorce, we shouldn't tolerate it. And that is why the church teaches according, I mean, in line with Jesus, or according to the instruction of Jesus, there is nothing like divorce. And it's interesting. He says, the man who divorces his wife and marries another is guilty of adultery against her. And if a woman divorces her husband and marries another, she is guilty of adultery too. Why? It is a confirmation of the fact that once a marriage is validly contracted, there is nothing like divorce. So, for example, he's saying that the man who divorces his wife, in other words, that marriage was validly contracted. And the man now says, for whatever reason, I am divorcing you. If he leaves that woman and goes to marry another woman, he is committing adultery. Why? What is adultery? Adultery is when a married person goes to sleep with what? Somebody who is not the wife. To have an extramarital affair. That is adultery. So if I say I've divorced my wife and I still go and have extramarital affair with somebody, what Jesus is telling me is that I'm committing adultery because the first marriage is not broken. I said I've divorced, but in his eyes, that marriage is still valid. And that is why the church will never, I mean, will never grant any per per permit for divorce. There can be annulment, but that is not divorce. And in that case, what it means is that that marriage never even took place. God was not in that marriage. We may will get another time and talk about what it means, annulment of marriages. But any marriage that is validly contracted in the church, it means God recognized that and God is in that marriage, there cannot be divorce because God hates divorce. You know, in some versions, they, 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 they were arguing 
Moses gave us the writ of divorce in case of uh, the, the case in the case of what unchastity and faithfulness and all that. But it is interesting. God wants us to know. Look, nothing, nothing can warrant divorce. Why? Because forgiveness is an integral part of the Christian life. So no matter how unfaithful my wife, my spouse is, I should be ready to forgive the person. I know it's not easy, yes, but the grace of God abounds. And if we are truly rooted in Christ, we can forgive. It may be difficult, but it is possible. And so there is no excuse whatsoever to grant divorce once the marriage is validly contracted. And we see God's care in this, second, in this gospel, God's care for marriage. If you go down, God's care for children is manifested, manifested also in the gospel. We are told that people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to touch them and bless them. And the disciples were turning them away. But when Jesus saw this, he was angry and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them. Jesus was angry at the fact that they were preventing the children from coming to him. So Jesus cares about children. He loves children. And he wants you and I to also love children. And what does that tell us? Jesus wants every child to come to him. And you know, in the eyes of God, however, all of us, grown-ups and children, we are all children before God. Now, but literally taking this, te this text, they were bringing small children, so to speak, to him. And they were preventing them. And God said, Jesus said, allow them to come to me. And we are told he was angry. That should teach us a lesson. What that means is that anything you and I will do that will make, that will prevent children or people from coming closer to God, God will not be happy with us. And this is where parents have to be careful. Our lifestyle in the house should draw our children closer to God. Whatever we do that prevents the children or that drives them away from Jesus, Jesus will be angry with us. We should take note of that. But he wants us to do things that will draw them closer to him because they were bringing their children to him. And I think these are good parents. Every good parent, the best gift you can give to your children is Jesus Christ. Once they truly know Jesus, every other thing will fall in place. I have seen people whose children don't know Jesus. They grow up and they become big men. They don't even respect their parents. Some children even beat their parents. How can such a person be a Christian? Because that element of Christ was, they didn't give the child a, uh, Christ. You cannot truly have Jesus and not respect your parents. You cannot truly be a Christian and beat your father or your mother. Abba, what kind of, human, what kind of, what, what kind of a child are you? So the best gift for our children is to give them Jesus. And Jesus knew that that's why he was angry. You want to destroy the future of these children? Allow them to come to me. For such as these belong what? The kingdom. Unless we become like little children, totally dependent on God, innocent. You know, children easily forgive. Children are innocent. Little children, they are innocent. They are totally dependent on God. That is the attitude God wants us to have towards him. To depend totally on him. And he says, then he put his hands around them, laid his hands on them, and gave them his blessing. 
a demonstration of his care for the children. He knew that their future depended on his blessing. So don't joke with your children, dedicating them to Jesus, infant baptism. Don't joke with these things. You are setting them apart already from scratch for Jesus. And once Jesus' blessing is upon them and you guide them, they will grow up to fulfill the beautiful plans Jesus has for them. For you and I this morning, our task therefore is to go out there today, to go out as we go out, to tell people that God cares about them. Look at that park there. The crowd of people there. They don't go to church. Are they selling food or what are they doing? I don't know. Food exhibition. On a Sunday in Rome. <laughs> food exhibition. You see them, they were sitting in the trains. They are coming out and they are going for their own things. These are people who are frustrated. They are not happy. They are looking for happiness. They are looking for joy. They are looking for peace. But the sad truth is that they cannot find the peace and the joy they are looking for in those places. Only in Jesus. And that is what he means when he says, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. What is the kingdom of God? Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is peace, joy, and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. The peace, the joy they are looking for, look at where they are looking for it. And Jesus says, it is in me, allow them to come to me, for to them, such as these, belong the kingdom. So unless we become like little children and go to Jesus, and display our ignorance, our innocence, those out there who are not in church, they claim to know. They claim to look for happiness, but the joy and the happiness they are looking for will continue to elude them. They will never find it. It's only in Jesus. And that is a challenge for you and I, to go out there and tell people, God cares about them. Sometimes you are walking and you see somebody, just know this person needs to hear that God loves me. The person is sad and depressed. It is your duty and my duty. After today, Ethan, Mr. S, go, the mass is ended. It's not for us to go and sleep. It's for us to go and encounter people and tell them that God cares about you and God loves you. And dear friends, you never know what, I mean, the weight of that as you speak, what the Holy Spirit can use those words in the life of the person to do. We pray for courage to be able to proclaim and evangelize. The parents of these children were teaching them Jesus, were showing them, bringing them to Jesus. That is our task as a church. The church exists to evangelize. We pray for this courage in this mass. The God will challenge us and encourage us as well. That as we receive him in the Eucharist, our hearts will burn. Will burn with his love and with that conviction that will go out there and declare to everyone that indeed God cares. God cares about you. God cares about your family. God cares about everything that concerns us. And when we have this at the back of our minds, friends, we will experience true peace and true joy. And finally, we are told Jesus is not therefore ashamed in the second reading to call us what? His brothers and sisters. That is the best family one can ever belong to, the family of God. Jesus calls us his brothers and his sister. If we are related to Jesus, think about it. What would we lack? And that is the truth. 
we must meditate on these truths, the word of God daily, and let these truths become part and parcel of us. And when that happens, we will walk everywhere and we will go everywhere experiencing the peace and the joy of the Lord. Hail Mary. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May we rise and present some intentions to the Lord.